You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I'm just sitting here broadcasting, man, from the Vivid Seats Studios. Make sure if you're going to a game, you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. All right, so I feel like the dust has pretty sufficiently uh, settled. Um, because it's a bit of a long week, the plan initially was to look at PFF grades. We looked at the stats yesterday, but as I was thinking about it, I wanted to touch on, um, I did a little bit of a film review, which is always nice because there's a ton of questions, and um, it's nice to at least see with my own eyes as much as I like, you know, looking at the stats and the grades and everything else. Kind of just clarify things because, you know, I'm, I'm a defender of pro football focus and the grades that they do, but even that gives you just a, a glimmer and if you can see stuff with your own eyes, sometimes it explains things a little bit more. So that's what I did with the run game, and I'm talking about both sides of the ball. I wanted to compare what exactly it was that was going on with the Eagles as opposed to the Packers. And so I did that. I made a video, put it in the uh, the Pack Daddy Premium Facebook page. But I want to talk about some of the stuff I saw. And then also, because it's Sunday, I want to take a look at some of the other games that are coming up and see what some of the implications of that are, especially now that we have a loss kind of take a look at some upcoming games um i do have i don't think i have it here at home unfortunately but i've got pretty much everything tracked out and what record i think people are going to have and this is going to kind of mess everything up but just kind of look into some things and then we'll see where we're at with time maybe we'll turn to the facebook group or whatever we shall see but that's going to be the plan for the day today's uh call to action if you will if you haven't done it yet um I would appreciate it if you could throw in a five-star iTunes rating and review. If you don't use iTunes or if you're not an Apple user like myself, that can be a little bit more complicated. For you, it would be great if you can go over to Stitcher and leave me an iTunes or <laughs> leave me an iTunes review on Stitcher. Try that one. Any kind of review, Stitcher review, iTunes review, party review, whatever. But uh, this is essentially how people find out about me. Uh, when you go and try to find a podcast, you kind of just type in Packers, and if I'm seventh down the list probably people won't get that far before they settle in on the ones that they like. So if you haven't done it yet, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Also, I posted in the Facebook group a Packers cruise. And so if you're planning a thousand-ish dollar donation, just, just go ahead and buy me a ticket to that. That'd be fine, thanks. If not, you know, the, 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 the review is fine. But I want to go. It's obviously a joke, but if you are actually going, you should probably let me know. Because I want to pester you every second of the day. To find out what's going on so that I can live vicariously through you. How about we just take a break and we'll get to talking about this running situation. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So from a defensive perspective, when you're looking at the Eagles defense versus the Packers defense, and I'm not trying to make any excuses, but there is a really big difference. It is very difficult to ask the Packers to have the same level of production when they're running with four down linemen and one linebacker, and the Eagles are running up with four down linemen and three linebackers. That is a very, very different situation. If you just look, and, I, and again, I did a video on this. If you are in the Pack Daddy Premium Facebook page, Packernet Premium, whatever it's called, uh, go check out the video. But you can see it, or if you just have Game Pass, just go look at it. The amount of open area that the Packers showed the Eagles was incredible. Now, part of this has to do with the Eagles spreading everybody out, which is something else I want to talk about. The offensive philosophies and how they differ and how that changes the defense. But the Eagles like to spread stuff out. So essentially, you've got four guys up front, sometimes five, but a lot of the times, especially on these big run plays, there's four guys up front. Blake Martinez is the only guy behind, and there's nobody else. Maybe there's somebody else who's kind of close to the line of scrimmage, but he's always going to be a defensive back. Now, I actually think the defensive line, so their job essentially is to hold the point of attack. Just hold everybody right where they are, and then Blake has to go get the ball carrier, and everybody else kind of needs to come in and swarm and get this guy. The other issue is the Eagles are, are very, their offensive line is very, very good, but not just good, they're very, they understand how to run this kind of system. So how you run it, the, the being in sync, the timing, everything is just like it is. And very often what they'll have is they'll have three other guys staying back and two guys are going to come up and try to block downfield. So when you've got Blake Martinez and, you know, one or two blockers trying to come up and get, it's, it's almost an impossible situation. And you put a lot of strain, Mike Pettin is putting a lot of strain on this defensive line to essentially squeeze these gaps closed and take the guy down. And a lot of the time, that actually did work, and it's really, really impressive how often it worked. But if you've got four guys, and and a lot of the time you're looking at it, and they're not actually even doing anything wrong. They're holding their guy where they are, but just think how wide a football field is. I mean, it's legitimately 50 yards wide. Like half a football field, wide. And so if, if the offensive line is just able to get some spacing, there's essentially you know, three giant gaps or, or five if you want to run to the outside. And then our corners are a lot of the time in, in man coverage, so their back is to the play, so they don't know it's about to be a run play. And so you got safeties who are off. You got four linemen that are that are holding their guy, but there's essentially giant gaps to their left and to their right. And you got Blake who's trying to wait and see, okay, where am I supposed to go? Because if I charge in any direction, he's just going to go in a different direction, and I'm doomed. However, I'm standing here, and there's a guy coming to block me, and then I'm really in trouble. 
So I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I don't know the solution to this. I have no idea what we're supposed to do, other than the guys up front need to just squeeze inward and say there's nowhere to go, you're going to have to run to the outside. And at that point, just hope Blake and everybody else can kind of you know, run to the outside and bring him down. Now, I've seen a lot on Twitter about Blake's hesitancy, and, and there's definitely a lot of that, and it's frustrating. If you look at the Bears' defense, if you look at a lot of other defenses, they charge. If you just look at everybody that Aaron Jones has gone up against, they're in the backfield as he's running laterally. So these are these are linebackers, these are corners, these are people who are charging into the backfield. Blake isn't charging anywhere. He's waiting, and that's frustrating, but at the same time, depending on the play, if he doesn't have help, you know, it's one thing if there's three linebackers. If you're the only linebacker and you just go charging aimlessly into an area, there's nobody else. You're the only guy. So, you know, I don't know if Petten needs to kind of mix this up, especially against the Dallas Cowboys. But this is a nearly impossible situation. And it's it's also part of the reason, I don't know if I said it on this podcast or if it was in the video. I think it was on the podcast. But th- this is a reason why teams like this spend so many resources on the defensive line. Because it's not enough to just have a Kenny Clark. Because if I beat the guy next to Kenny Clark, we're just going to gash you. To be able to have guys that are off the edge really long and strong, you know, it's not enough to just have a Clay Matthews who's just going to fly around or a Kyler Fackrell who's pretty fast. Because if he gets annihilated in the run game, it's just we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Because we're going to have a guard slip out and wall off your linebacker, and Fackrell's going to get blown right off the field, and we're just going to run for 15 yards. So defensive scheme and the way the offense played it with a really good offensive line I mean, there were times that the way that they ran it, if you just look as this plays out, how they, you know, build a wall. They they literally are building these lanes for the running back to run through, and it's just, it's incredible. And I'm talking about what they're doing down the field. I'm not talking about the guys in the trenches who are able to kind of push open a hole. I'm talking about after he gets through the hole, you've got several guys that are open. And you look at where's where's the linebackers. They can't get through because there's literally a wall in the way, and so the linebacker has to run around the wall and tackle him 15 yards down the field, as opposed to running in a straight line and tackling him. So I'm, I'm in awe of their offensive line and their ability to sort of just execute all the way along, and how much more complex it is than just get to the next level and push somebody, which is what I see a lot of the time, especially with the Packers. Like, just try to get over to the linebacker and push him a little bit. No, this is, this is like building a structure. Everything is in sync, everything is just I don't know. So it's it's really impressive. But again, if you go back and watch, the Packers won a lot. The other issue is there's a lot of four and five yard gains that should never have been four and five yard gains. The only reason it wasn't a zero yard gain is a is terrible tackling. I think that 30 yard run, Kingsley Kiki was right. I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to wait until the all 22 footage comes up. He's right there. I mean, everybody's kind of winning. And the, the, the patience of the running backs were incredible. Because you look and there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And they wait, and then there's finally a little gap there. But Kingsley Kiki is, is getting to the outside. He's right there. There's nobody between him and the running back. And I don't know. I, I don't know how. It's like he just had his arms stuck to his side or something. I don't know how he didn't bring the guy down. But he ends up getting right past Kingsley Kiki, and he runs for 30 yards. There are several plays where you know people have talked about how Blake always goes backwards. There was a lot of that where if you watched our guys against their defense, as soon as they hit a wall, it's like a wall. There's nowhere to go. When you see him run past Dean Lowry, he kind of slips through Dean's arms. And then Blake's there, and, and Blake goes backwards. There was one play where Blake had him at the line of scrimmage and actually, like, hip-tosses him over his shoulder for a six-yard gain. What are you doing? 
That was a one-yard gain. You made it a six-yard gain because you literally tossed him over your body. There was a ton of that. So scheme is one thing. Hesitancy by Blake, which I think sometimes is probably the right thing to do, but, you know, we, we have to be aggressive in attack. I don't know how that works when you just got one linebacker, but somebody it has to be done. And it's not every play that this was a situation. I'm just talking to you about a severe problem. It, it doesn't end there. This is just assuming everybody stays home. You want to know why there weren't any pressures? Look at how many times the Packers got gashed when, when you know, Zadarius Smith tries to get after the quarterback. Because if you think about it, if you've got four guys or even five guys that are that are squeezing these holes down, what happens when Preston and Zadarius try to get upfield to get after the quarterback? These guys are already completely out of the play. It's over. It's done. So now it's a three-man front and Blake and maybe a defensive back. So you got three defensive linemen and then Blake and Amos trying to stop five really talented offensive linemen. It's just It just doesn't work. So every single play, you're just thinking you don't want your guys to go after the quarterback because if they do and, and it's a run play, we're already done. It's just game over. So I don't know if it's a lack of talent at linebacker, if, if, if it's just because we don't trust Ty or Goodson, which I would doubt because we just went out to get B.J. Goodson to help us at linebacker, it doesn't make sense to say, well, yeah, but he's not good. I mean, we're not actually going to play him. I mean, come on. And he did play at times, but it just, I mean, Petten just has a way of playing, and he says, this is what we're doing. We're not going to let him throw. And, and really, they didn't throw for that many yards, but the problem is when they wanted to throw, they kind of did it at will. So, And that's that's really the problem. Anytime, any team, it doesn't really matter the situation. If you say, we're going to take away this one thing and force you to try to beat us with this, so in this case, Petten saying, you're not going to throw the ball, you're going to have to run the ball, and they're able to throw the ball, you're already in trouble. Because that's supposed to be the hard thing. Now, if you can beat them and and not let them run the ball with, you know, playing in dime defense, then, you know, you're at least taking that away. But if if you come out and say, you will not pass the ball, we're not going to let you throw the ball, you're going to have to run, which I think Petten is doing because he understands that trying to beat a team while only being able to run the ball is just not something that's going to work very well. But he wasn't able to really adjust out of it. If they can't throw the ball, maybe we adjust. But they can throw the ball. So if we are going even heavier against the run, it's just going to be easier to pass the ball, and then we're just letting them pass all over us. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Do you want them to run all over you or pass all over you? So when they were able to throw the ball against a defense that says you will not be able to throw the ball against us, it was kind of already a you're doomed situation. And at least with the Packers and their defense, we could throw at will, but they weren't going to let us run the ball. And even that wasn't exactly the case, which kind of upset me when the Packers couldn't get first downs against that level of, of defense and those level of corners. It was like, you've got to be kidding me. But then when you look on the flip side, one of the other problems, and this again, this none of this is 100%. Everything changes. But if you look at the Green Bay Packers, again, four-man front, three linebackers. But not just that. The Green Bay Packers offensively like to keep everything in tight. The Eagles spread everything out, which pushes our corners and DBs who can make plays out further. If you look at the Green Bay Packers, I think it was their first run play, everybody's in tight. Now, the benefit of everybody's in tight is it gives you more blockers. The problem is when you ask your wide receivers and tight ends to block and they're not very good at it, that just gives them more defenders. And it's just a matter of one person needs to beat this and then it's game over. And again, if you have Game Pass or if, you have a, a, if you're in the, the premium Facebook group, you can see on that first play that everything is actually set up pretty well. I think Elton Jenkins does a really good job of blocking his guy up. But then if you even look down the field, you've got three 
blockers down the field creating a wall. It's it's actually really impressive. There's like three blockers and three, I don't know, you know, linebackers, corners, whatever. Essentially, if they're able to get to that next level, it could have been something special. But why did the play go for no yards? Because Geronimo Allison completely whiffed on his block. He never even touched the guy. He just comes in clean, blows up um, Aaron Jones, and it's it's done. And so I reiterate again how important it is that he we have wide receivers and tight ends that can block. Because when you're in tight, you have to be able to block somebody. And again, if you can get this really fine-tuned and ironed out to the point where our guys are better than the opposition, all it means is we have more blockers. And you can do more stuff with that. But right now, our blockers are not very good. And that's the offensive line, that's the wide receivers, that's the tight ends. I think Geronimo actually had a really good grade blocking. He must have done a really good job after that because that first play got blown up 100% because of him. But he's kind of embraced that, I guess. But again, it's just a, it's a different philosophy. And because the because everybody's in tight and there's so many layers that are all up close, the, the defensive line just tries to hold up. The linebackers just flow and, and attack the gaps. And so they're, they're forcing their way to the inside. With the Packers being hesitant, it allows their running back to just kind of sit and be patient and wait for a hole to develop, and then they go. We can't do that because they're attacking. And so it's, it's something that over time the Packers need to get better at because they don't really know what exactly they're doing. It, it, it just it looks chaotic. It doesn't look very clean. And again, we got plays getting blown up because wide receivers are missing blocks, and that's just kind of crazy. The flip side of that, however, is that we need to be able to throw the ball. We were able to throw the ball, obviously, Aaron Rodgers with over 400 yards, Devontae, and all that kind of stuff. But I guess the biggest question would be, what if this was a team with better corners? Because if teams are basically selling out against the run, which is ridiculous, but teams have actually been doing that for kind of a long time now. Not exactly eight-man boxes, but they're not exactly playing dime against the Packers because they're really just not scared of us throwing the ball, which is horrible. They need to be. We're not going to be able to run the ball, and we need to be able to throw the ball against even really good corners, which means we need Aaron Rodgers to be on his game. We need wide receivers to be on their game because right now we're playing dime defense, and there are teams that are coming in and being able to throw the ball. We've got teams literally coming out at times with an eight-man box. Anytime we see that, we need to be able to throw the ball and just destroy them so that nobody would ever do that. But teams, I mean, for, for several years now, teams have been doing that. They're not scared anymore. They're just not scared of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they're not playing that way. You don't see teams just strictly coming out in dime defense, which is what the Packers do as a base. I mean, generally, teams are coming out in nickel just at, on average. But at this point, it, it's just a matter of stack the box, attack get some pressure on Rodgers. You know, if it's a run play, you get him in the backfield. If it's if it's a pass play, we get after Rodgers as quickly as possible because the only thing they're able to do typically is is throw short passes. And anytime the play is extended, especially if there's pressure, he's just going to throw it away because these guys aren't getting open or whatever. It, it's just it's just the formula and it just works. Now, again, last week was encouraging because they were able to throw the ball to a lot of different people, which was awesome. Distribute the ball beautiful passes, great catches, you know, everything was kind of in line. But again, this is a team that is, we're, we're going up against like third string defensive backs here. This is this is about as bad as it gets. The Cowboys are pretty mediocre. If they play a similar style, we have to be able to throw the ball. We have to force teams to where even if they're in nickel, that's not good enough, right? You better get yourself in dime defense or you're just in trouble because we're just going to keep carving you up through the air. We've got to get them to back off. Teams are so aggressive against the Packers. They're always coming heavy. They're always coming hard. They're always, you know, penetrating and, and getting into the backfield. 
And next week is going to be real interesting in terms of what they try to do because Dak Prescott has been playing out of his mind this year. Actually, against Miami, it wasn't that great. But even if you you want to say he's not an elite quarterback, he's he's up there with, he's better than a lot of the guys that we've beaten. He's better than Trubisky. He's probably better than Cousins. He may not be up there with Wentz, but, but he also has better weapons than Wentz. And again, I'm not approaching this necessarily from a talent standpoint. I'm approaching it from a defensive philosophy standpoint. And and, and it's it's almost strange to me because I'm looking at this as a group that has a, a much better group of defensive backs. Why wouldn't we just throw another linebacker out there? Why are we so scared of, of playing the run a little bit heavier? I don't know. We'll see. To be honest, at least according to uh, Pro Football Focus, well, they, they've never actually been that high on Ezekiel Elliott. So I can't say that it's he's necessarily doing a poor job terrible pass blocker so far this year which is something he's never been that good at but as far as running the ball you can tell they definitely think the offensive line is the main the main reason that he's he's successful either way it doesn't i mean if it, from our perspective what does it matter if it's the running back or the offensive line either way those both of those things need to be stopped in order to stop ezekiel elliott and at the end of the day it comes down to his production Last week against Miami, 125 yards, 6.6 average. It was 19 carries, 125 yards. The year before that, or the year, the the week before that, 23 carries, 111 yards, 4.8 average. Regardless of if if it's the offensive line or Ezekiel Elliott, the guy is going to destroy us if we don't do something else. I don't know, whatever, we'll worry about that when the time comes. But something's got to change, because right now the plan of using very little resources and expecting them to just dominate is only going to go so far. And it's going to be real tough against teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys who have great offensive lines. I mean, I get it if this is how we want to play against the Chiefs. That's fine. They don't have a very good offensive line. They don't have an elite running back. So yeah, just sell out on on the passing game and just shut them down through the air and just go attack Pat Mahomes. That's great. But I don't know how that works against the Dallas Cowboys or the Eagles or the Chargers. And, And the crazy thing is we did that against the Bears. This was our plan. Our plan was to shut down the pass against the Bear. I mean, this this is just it, man. This is just what Mike Pettin does. And so I I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but we'll we'll see. Anyways, let's take another break and look at some of the games that are coming up today. Let's see what we're in for. So the first game on the docket that I want to talk about, not super important, but it could end up being important, is the Tennessee Titans and the Falcons. Why? because the Falcons are an NFC team. And I know they don't look very good right now, but they have enough talent that maybe they can get this thing figured out. And so stacking losses is going to be the most important piece here. The Titans are favored to win. I actually do think they're going to win. The biggest thing I think to watch in this game is the the Falcons passing attack against the Tennessee Titans rushing attack. The Titans are running the ball 36% of the time. The Falcons are passing the ball 73% of the time. So 36 to 27 for rushing the ball, 64 to 73. The good news for the Falcons is that they have some ability to stop the run. The uh, Titans' offensive line and running back are not super great, at least so far this year. The problem for the Falcons is that their corners also aren't super great outside of Desmond Trufant. And so the, the, the Titans are going to run the ball more than your average team, but they're still throwing it 60% of the time, and they're probably going to have a decent amount of success doing that. I know they don't have exactly have elite wide receiver talent, but A.J. Brown um, had a really good week one. Uh, Davis is a talented wide receiver. He's I don't know if it's just that he's stuck in Tennessee or what, but he's got more than enough talent to beat subpar uh, corners. And then, of course, you got Delaney Walker. The only way this gets flipped on its head is if the, the Titans just cannot in any way stop this passing attack. 
but I think the Titans are just going to sell out against the path. Uh, Cameron Wake is still a freak. It's amazing that nobody even talks about the guy. He has been a dominant player every year of his career since 2009. One, two, three elite seasons. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons that are quote-unquote very good, including this season in 2019. Only one was less than very good. It was a good season in 2017. He just refuses to stop, man. So Cameron Wake is a Tennessee Titan. They also have Jarrell Casey, who is very, very good on the interior. So they're not only going to be able to stop the run, but uh, probably get a good amount of pressure on Matt Ryan. So we want the Tennessee Titans to win, and I think that they will. A game that should be pretty easy, but boy, oh boy, are we in trouble if it doesn't go the way that we expect, is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. Um, Nobody seems to care about the Detroit Lions. And I get it, but let's start with the fact that this is in Detroit. Let's then look at the fact that they have Kenny Galladay, they have Marvin Jones, they have Danny Amendola, they have Matt Stafford. They have a talented offensive line. The, the, ta- the tackles aren't having the greatest season in the world, but I'm thinking they probably will against the Chiefs who don't really have that much talent. I mean, they've, they've got a good guy on the interior and Chris Jones. Frank Clark, who they paid a ton of money to, is not doing Jack Diddley squat. And so we're looking at one of the worst cornerback units in the entire NFL going up against Jones, Amendola, Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, Matt Stafford. They also have Carryon Johnson, who is not off to a super great start, but is still really talented. And again, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. If the Lions, and I understand this is a big ask, because anytime they have an opportunity in front of them, they seem to want to just blow that. And yes, this is very likely going to be just a complete blowout by the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just saying, if the Lions somehow win this game, I'm going to go into a deep, deep despair, (laughs) because... They're probably going to be the only ones. And suddenly we have to start taking them seriously. By the way, they would also be number one in the division. And this would be their hardest test of the year, and they just beat them. And, and how many games? And because they were last in the division, they have the easier schedule among all the NFC North teams. Because we all play each other, then we all play common opponents, and then each team gets two individual opponents. And the Bears get the two hardest, or at least it was supposed to be. The Saints were one of them, but they lost Drew Brees, so whatever. Then it would be the Vikings, then it would be the Packers, then it would be the the Lions. Obviously, it's speculation by the time the, the schedule comes out, and it doesn't always work out as far as hardest to easiest, but whatever. Bottom line is, we're all playing the Chiefs, and they have probably the easiest schedule in the NFC North because they were last in the division, so it becomes problematic. Something else I would like to point out, and this is just PFF's perspective on this, But they're not overly impressed with the Chiefs offense in terms of, like you would expect, everybody's just elite. That's not the case. Pat Mahomes obviously is very good, although he's not grading out nearly as high as he was last year. I understand the stats, and we'll get to that. As far as wide receivers, Tyreek Hill is is, uh, not playing. Their starting running back, Williams, is not playing. Their starting left tackle, Eric Fisher, is not playing. The only wide receiver they have that seems to be any bit talented is Sammy Watkins, and we've seen him play not so great for several years. And as far as this year, as much as the stats kind of pop and everything, again, difference between grading and stats. It's just a matter of how much stock you want to put in the grading of PFF, but that's fine. He's been good, not great. Running backs are just not very good. And so you have a good wide receiver in Sammy Watkins. You have a very good quarterback in Pat Mahomes, um, a very good right tackle, and a very good tight end in Travis Kelsey. All of that obviously is going to equate to a, a pretty darn good team, but otherwise a subpar offensive line, pretty average to subpar wide receivers, and mediocre running backs. 
And again, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't exactly know the defensive game plan for the Detroit Lions, considering they're still not able to get very much pressure. But this is a very good opportunity. And by the way, um, for those of you saying that's ridiculous, look what the Chiefs are doing to everybody. Who's everybody? The Jaguars? The Raiders? Even the Ravens wildly overestimate how talented their defense is. They lost a lot of people. I don't want to downplay how good they've been, but we got to understand that this early in the season, you got to kind of look at the schedule. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about Pat Mahomes is going to regress, and then he throws for a bunch of yards and like, oh, where's that regression? Look who's not regressing. Dude, Jaguars, Raiders, and Ravens, all right? Now, I know the Lions don't exactly have an elite defense, but I'm saying if you, if you want to take advantage of a, of a, if you want to talk about a trap game, this is it. All day long, this is it. Pat Mahomes, who, according to PFF, is regressing, but his stats are still elevated because he's gone against garbage teams. They don't have Tyreek Hill, who is a massive part of their offense. They don't have a real running back outside of LaShawn McCoy. They don't have their left tackle. Their offensive line outside of Schwartz is no good. If this defense can stiffen even a little bit and find a way to get after Pat Mahomes, and, and you know they have a defensive-minded head coach who's also played spoiler a couple times, right? He, they were garbage last year. One of the teams they beat was the Patriots. I understand that's the team he came from, but still, they're not supposed to win that game, and they did pretty convincingly. If they can just stop Pat Mahomes a couple times, I think they have the ability on offense to just absolutely march down the field and score a bunch of points. Now, at the end of the day, if this pans out, what we're looking at is another um, another look at what happened last week with the Chiefs and the Ravens, where it was just a really high-scoring game and the Chiefs came out ahead, which is why I said they've got to find a way on defense to slow down the offense. But I don't want to just write this. I, we, we need the, the Chiefs to win. Pretty desperately, we need the Chiefs to win. I'm just saying there's a chance they don't win, especially if you have a Chiefs team that thinks they're just completely unbeatable, nobody can stop them, and the Lions are trash, they come in unprepared, they come in injured against a very motivated team that has literally nothing to lose because nobody believes in them, nobody cares about them, and they're going to be playing that underdog card, they're going to come out in their own home stadium, they're going to be playing fast and violent football. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is by halftime I would like to see it 28-3. Kansas City Chiefs. That would make me very happy if that was the case. Panthers-Texans. The Texans are favored by quite a bit. Um, A big part of that is probably the fact that Cam Newton is not going to be playing. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but um, what I would really like to see, on top of the fact that the Panthers could end up being competitors for a wild card or whatever the case may end up being by the end of the year and you just want to root against NFC teams all the time, I also just want to see these teams not playing very well. If the Carolina Panthers, without Cam Newton, can come out and give the Texans a hard time with as good of a defense as they have and as good of a quarterback and wide receiver as they have, I'm not going to say offense because it's certainly not everybody. It's basically just that wide receiver and quarterback combination. But if they can come out and and play a pretty stout and and tough game, I'm going to be worried. It's kind of the same with the Chiefs where it's a double-edged sword, where if the Chiefs come out and just annihilate the, the Lions, who beat the Eagles, my, my level of confidence that we're going to beat the Chiefs is low. And then if the, the Panthers come out and, and beat the Texans or come close to it without Cam Newton, and we have to go with Cam Newton, which isn't a guarantee, my confidence is low. So I would love it if the Texans could just steamroll the Panthers. That'd be great. But the Texans are favored, and by quite a bit, um, the quote-unquote market has the Texans at minus 4.5. PFF has them at minus 5.2. Uh, Raiders and Colts, I don't care. Chargers, Dolphins, I don't really care. I would say we want to see the, the Chargers, and I guess you could say it for the Raiders too because we have to play them too. You, you want both of those teams, the Chargers and the Raiders, to lose, but the Chargers aren't going to lose to the Dolphins, so we can just forget that. Giants and Redskins, uh, we got to play both teams. 
Uh, I don't think either of them are really strong competition, so there's nothing really to worry about. The only thing that we need to watch is Daniel Jones. I've been saying it for a while, and nobody wants to believe me, but I'm worried about how good this offense can be if Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I do think the Giants are going to win, and I understand they have a really, 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 really bad defense. You know, I, I know I just said the Chiefs are one of the worst. The, the Giants are probably quite a bit worse than the Chiefs. The Chiefs at least have a pass rusher and, and I don't know, and, oh, and what's his name on the inside? The Giants have nothing. But still, it's just one of those things where if, if they have, you know, you look at, especially with the Packers and the run struggles with Saquon Barkley, if all they have to do is hand off the ball and rush all over the field, and we're going up against not great competition, but again, we, there were times we went three and out against their third string corners. There's no guarantees that we're just going to steamroll everybody in front of us that isn't elite, which is exactly how it should be, by the way, but whatever. That's really the only thing I'm, I'm curious about. How good is this, is this quarterback that they have? Is it a fluke? Is he not very good? Is he going to be the next Pat Mahomes? You know, what, what, what is this guy? So that's what I'll be watching there. Seahawks Cardinals, I don't think the Cardinals are a very good football team. The Seahawks, I don't feel like they should be a good football team, but they're always in the mix. They're always fighting for that wild card spot. They keep winning. And so I'd like to see them slow down. If there's any way the Cardinals can win this game, uh, right now the consensus line is Arizona plus five and a half. So I'm going to be rooting for the Cardinals, but I do think the Seahawks are going to end up getting another win there. Bucks-Rams is another one that, you know, you'd like the Rams to lose, but they won't. So there's no point in really worrying about that. Vikings-Bears, I, I pretty strongly believe the Vikings are going to win the game. It's in Chicago. The Bears are favored by a little bit. I just, I don't see it. Unless that offense can get moving, but the Vikings' defense is for real. Their offense isn't going to be able to do anything against the Vikings in my in my mind. I'd be stunned if they could do anything. What are they going to do? They can't do anything. And the Vikings have one of the best rushing attacks right now in football. I don't know if that's going to be sustained throughout. And I know the Bears are, are a talented defensive front, but they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I guess, could be under a constant assault with that garbage pass-blocking offensive line, but I, I just think the Vikings win the game, which kind of bothers me because in my prediction of, of how the season lays out, the Vikings are going to be ahead. So I, I honestly want the Bears to win, although you know it's one of those things where if they do, then it's like, oh, shoot, the Bears are probably pretty good again, and we're in trouble. They're going to... Either way, it's good and it's bad. But again, I'm kind of leaning toward I want the Bears to win because I do think the Vikings are probably as of right now and this was prior to us losing it was it was Packers and Vikings kind of fighting and close for that number one spot so I would like the Bears to pull off a win here but again that just means that I'm now more worried about the Bears and the Vikings either way somebody's getting a loss and somebody's going to be you know same record as the Packers which is bad although we've got the tiebreaker so we're still beating them. otherwise Cowboys Saints um, I really 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 want to see the Saints just beat the living tar out of the Cowboys for two reasons number one the Bears play the Saints so that would be cool number two we play the Cowboys next week and that would be fantastic and just an absolute you know let's be clear about something else the the Cowboys have looked real good and everyone's talking about how great they are and it, it is a talented team they have beat the Giants one of the worst teams in football they beat the Redskins one of the worst teams in football they beat the Dolphins the worst team in football these are these are three of probably the bottom five teams in the league and they've won convincingly, right? 35 to 17, 31 to 21, 31 to 6. Their offense is just steamrolling these teams as they should. So it's not necessarily against them. I mean, if they won by three points, then you'd start wondering. But against an actually good team, let's see what they can do. Although good is, you know, quotation marks there without Drew Brees and a mediocre at best defense. But whatever. 
I want the Saints to pummel the Cowboys like nothing anyone has ever seen. And I want it to be a violent physical matchup so that the Cowboys are still tired by the time they see the Packers, who are very rested and healthy and happy and also angry. Lots of different emotions. Anyways, folks, that's it. There's no real interesting game on Monday, so we'll be able to reassess how things uh, came out tomorrow morning and kind of maybe, because we have a little bit of extra time on an extended week, kind of take a look at where everything's kind of sitting. And so enjoy your Sunday, enjoy some football, some good food, and uh, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.